this is your first time with us, you probably didn't make a very good first impression. At least the scripture is perhaps a bit confusing. The gospel in particular, did Jesus just call that Canaanite woman a dog? Yep, that's what we heard. What's going on? That's, that's not nice. Nope, definitely not. Does that mean Jesus was a racist? Definitely no. But what is going on? Whether it's your first time here or you've been coming throughout many, many years, we have to sit up and take notice. This gospel is a challenge for us, but so relevant for today in a world with so much division. Jesus was in the region of Tyre and Sidon, the northernmost part of what we call the Holy Land. And he was approached by a Canaanite woman. The Canaanites, those of the land of Canaan. Remember when the Israelites, with the exodus with Moses, were led out of Egypt and then entered into the promised land, the land of Canaan. Those Canaanites were driven out into pockets. This Canaanite woman, pagan people who had inhabited the land, or a descendant of them, of course, she's now calling out. There was such division between the Israelites and the Canaanites for centuries, 12, 13 centuries. Here she is on the peripheries, as Pope Francis speaks of it. And her situation was dire. Matthew tells us that her daughter was possessed by a demon. Now, some people don't believe that demons exist or in demonic possession, but to do so would be to disagree with Jesus, with the Bible, with the church, and with all the saints. Most apparent cases of demonic possession are imaginary. So the church is very suspicious whenever the term comes up. There's always a psychological evaluation before an official exorcism would ever take place. They're rare, but, but they exist. It was a dire situation. This woman's daughter was possessed. We can't even, please God, can't even imagine how awful that was, but we all can imagine her response. Anyone who has feared for their safety of a child surely can imagine the response. She'll do anything. The mama bear in her, driving, driving for a response from the Lord. She calls out, but it's met with silence. She calls out again. Now the disciples complain. She calls out a third time. Jesus restates his mission that it is to the lost sheep of the tribe of Israel, to the Jews. Not deterred, she cries out again. And this time, it's where the rubber hits the road. Jesus says it's not right to take the food from children and throw it to the dogs. Wow. And this is where she shines. Not deterred from all of that resistance. She doesn't respond in anger. She doesn't just throw up her hands and give up. Instead, she humbles her heart and acknowledges She's not a Jew. Thus, she shouldn't expect this would be any easier than any other exchange with the Jewish people. 
but that he, this Jesus of Nazareth, he had what she wanted, what she needed. And so she humbles himself, saying, Lord, even the dogs eat the scraps from the table of the master. And so it is that it is granted to her. Why does he do it? Why is that pushback there? We know he was not racist. It would be like asking a circle to be a square. You cannot have the Almighty God, who is the goodness, who is goodness itself, do something that is inherently evil and sinful. That's not possible. So why would he push back in this way? I'll give you three reasons. First, for her sake. I know that sounds dark and strange. But the far better thing in this case was that openness. Had he just said, you know, come one, come all, not only would that be setting a weird precedent for everyone who had come to him, but it would deny her the chance to grow in faith, to humble herself. Oh Lord, we say every time we come to Mass, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Sometimes people wonder, why, why do we say that? Why do we say, I'm not worthy? Because we're not, right? But, and we need that reminder of our, our littleness before the, the greatness of God, but that he is willing to come. He desires to be with us, to unite us all, to stop all divisions and all sin. She is basically saying the same words we say at every Mass. Only say the word, and your servant shall be healed. He does it for her sake. He also, I'd propose, does it for the disciples' sake. They almost definitely had been using the same sort of language about the Canaanites. They were going up to that region of Tyre and Sidon, a, 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 a gathering of Canaanites, a, a, a dwelling, a colony of Canaanites, you can be sure that they were pushing back, that their own genuine racism and divisions would have been muttered at some point. He had probably heard them, the disciples, call the Canaanites dogs. But for those words to come out of the master's mouth, when one of them was right there, not just in theory, not just in general, behind closed doors, but face to face with the other, that rightly should have pinched. And we have to admit, we don't know the tone with which he said it. The written word is a challenge. It's like sending a text. You never know exactly how the tone is going to come through, even in the written word of the Gospels. I am sure that in the tone of the Lord, it invited the disciples to check themselves. The psalm we just sang, Psalm 67, had that response, Oh God, let all the nations praise you. It seems so obvious to us, right? We, we want everybody in. Not only do we want the church full, we, we want everybody. We want friends and neighbors. We want strangers from down the street. We, we want the whole world to discover what it is that we have found and what it is that we love. Oh God, let all the nations praise you. The disciples weren't there yet. So he did it for their sake to help them be drawn ever more into the reality that the psalm was right. We want 
genuinely desire and need the nations to worship together. And so the third reason I'd propose that Jesus made those dark comments is for our sake. Not only for hers and for the disciples who heard him 2,000 years ago, but for us today. In our world, with such extreme divisions and with, with people all in their respective silos, not interconnecting with others. I guess there's two extremes. There's the silo extreme, but there, there's also the meh extreme of just complete indifference. Like, well, it doesn't really matter. We're all basically the same. Well, I don't know that that's fair either. That's not really honoring the differences between people, between men and women, between nations and ethnic backgrounds, between education and professions. We're not all the same. I had dental work today. I didn't want the road crew that's doing work on Power Street doing dental work. We're not all the same. The drills are different. The people are different. That's okay. It's, in fact, very good. We love the sinner and we hate the sin. The differences do matter, but we love all. And we see it all the way back in the prophet Isaiah. He prophesies that the Lord's house shall be a house of prayer for all peoples. Sacrifice, they will sacrifice on my altar, he says. <laughs> Note, it's not the offerings and sacrifices of pagan, polytheistic idolaters that will be acceptable on his altar. But the offerings and sacrifices that would go on my altar, Isaiah says. And so it is today. Now, thousands of years later, we, we come to his altar. And in the eyes of the world, we would get what the, the Canaanite woman said. In the eyes of the world, when we come here, we, we get scraps of bread from the master's table. But we know. We know that he feeds us with the bread of angels, his own body, blood, soul, and divinity.